1: Is your last two and a half weeks in football? It could well be,
0: Gary. I'm on the touchline, I'm watching a game where I don't understand what the hell some of these players are doing. <laughs> you know, nothing that I would suggest. Did it hurt you? Of course it did. It was the second time I'd been sacked. I was there with them, but I had no effect on them whatsoever. <laughs> in both tournaments, you don't do anywhere near as well as you should do then, unfortunately, that's a failure. I seem to have been forgiven even when Aldo gives me a hug every now and again. Am I talking too much? Are you No, no, oh, I'm
1: enjoying this.
0: <laughs> Roy,
1: so you've been in football 47 years and I'm just looking at that calendar there that you've got on the wall and it's set out exactly what you've got on in this next two and a half weeks before your final game against Nottingham Forest at home, is this your last two and a
0: half weeks in
1: football? (laughs) (laughs) I just looked at it and thought,
0: that can't be right. It could well be Gary, who knows, I mean it's what I intend to do this year. I made the mistake when I left Palace four years ago of accepting that people were retiring me and I sort of accepted it, yeah okay I'm retiring but then of course I came back, I went to Watford uh, and people sort of forgave me that. But then I've done it again now, after that retirement. So I've spoken with Joe and I've told her I'm going to answer all questions now that the future will be what it is and what will happen will happen. But I want to leave at least the option that if something comes along like this came along yeah. for me and I want to do it, I don't have to feel guilty about saying, well, by the way, I've actually retired, so I'm coming out of retirement to do it. I don't know if there's any reason really if you feel fit enough, well enough, competent enough to actually say, I am retiring, but of course quite often, after you've been in it a long time, you've been 47 years of coaching and management is a hell of a long time, so perhaps you deserve a rest and feel you want to take a rest, but I don't know that one should retire oneself, because if I'd have done that, I would have missed out on this opportunity, which I've really enjoyed.
1: I've had obviously a lot of jobs in football. Um, what you learned from that job in a good way and what you, what you took away from that job that you maybe think well I wouldn't do that again or the mistake yeah. that I made there. So let's start in your early years over in Sweden where you won titles and you were very successful. What was it in those early years that you felt I'm a lot better at now and I, I made lots of mistakes?
0: There's no doubt that there were periods of times then where I didn't pay enough attention to what the players were thinking, what the players needed. It was. It was far too much, this is what they've what they've got to have, and this is... Or this a dictatorship. Much, yes, it was much more, you know, which was totally wrong, of course. And then, of course, there were times, I think, where at Malmo I allowed complacency to, 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 to set in because for five years we were so dominant and it seemed to me good players just seemed to be popping up all over the place. I don't know then that I, I was as... Um, correct as I should have been in many situations in controlling that aspect of it. What do you it? mean by
1: complacency? What, what specific examples could you give well, us? Well, you know,
0: it became a little bit of a self-playing piano, I think, Malm F for me and I think that I allowed Malm to become a self-playing piano. I didn't probably work hard enough on the future of Malm F and making certain that those players were, were getting the sort of guidance after five years that they were getting in the first year. I'm, I'm I don't know, I mean I'm I'm trying to find things. I wasn't that conscious of it at the time, but I'm trying to find things ought to answer your question really. Um but it was definitely the right thing to do to move to Switzerland because I think that after, you know, what what then was twelve years in Sweden and, you know, largely successful, it, it needed to be another Platform for for my work, and I needed to sort of start needing to think again, and not just being able to rely on the reputation you built up, and and perhaps started to believe even that well, this is the only way to do things. You know, it's been so successful, this is it. You know, I've I've cracked the formula, but in football, you never crack formula, because there is no formula. You can't crack the formula.
1: In those early days, I think you remember. I remember you telling me. You'll correct me if if I'm wrong. You were playing quite an aggressive 4-4-2 offside trap system. Oh yes,
0: absolutely. I mean, that's the famous story when Clough came to watch my team, Halmstead, which at the time were top of the league, playing Malmo, who were second in the league before the 1979 Cup final. And someone said to him after, what did you think of the game, Brian? He said, what game? And they said, he said, well, what, you've just been watching? He said, he said, I didn't watch a game. He said, I just watched 20 people uh, scattered around the centre circle. And if I'd have thrown a hang with that, I'd have killed a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, Bob and I were mortified by the, by the comments that we thought was unbelievably harsh, as it were, especially as we were criticised anyway for that playing that sort of football. But when I think back on it, it was not only an amusing comment, it was probably a correct comment as well, but we were... We were far too young and arrogant to accept it. We thought he, we thought he should never have said something as disrespectful as that.
1: Take us on to Switzerland, particularly the, the, the international job was where he took Switzerland to their first major tournament in 90,
0: 94, Four. Yeah. yeah, and then 96, we qualified for the Euro 96. The 96 yeah. Yeah. But and I that... didn't take that one. I, I'd, I left after the qualifying to go to Inter.
1: And just talk to me about that, that job in terms of What that gave you and what that did for you, and what you learned about international football, but also what you felt as though you learned from that job uh, from a negative perspective. Anything that you feel hmm. that you know when you look back, an experience.
0: I did a terrible thing. Um, I remember (laughs) early early on in ninety. It was in ninety-two. I mean, I've been again. Success goes to your head, and so you you go into into jobs sometimes thinking that you know you're. You're a bigger person than the people around you which you should never do and I won't mention the player's name but we we went on a an international friendly even before the qualifiers started in 92 and I found out this player had misbehaved in some way that I didn't uh, uh, agree with but out for a drink I won't I won't go <laughs> to like what he's really done but he, he and I played the big shot and, and left him out of the the squad as a result of it because you know, I'm making it clear that you know if you're was a famous player. player at the time or? yeah he was he was one of the one of the more famous ones although Switzerland to be fair didn't have that many no. famous players so it wasn't like leaving the like, it wasn't I wasn't doing that to a line or Messi, don't get me wrong but I often think I had to go back to him uh, later on before the qualifiers in in 96 because our I uh, sent a forward shout and so I got badly injured, and he was gonna gonna miss all the qualifiers. Yeah, right, right. I had to go back with sort of humble pie and ask him to come back, and to his great credit, he did and forgave me. What now I would regard as a, a cardinal sin, that my, you know, if a punishment was necessary to be meted out, it wasn't that level of punishment that I thought I would.
1: Was that you them. stamping your control yes. and trying to sort of... it was a
0: stamping of a control. It was a, a way of showing off, if you like, that I can stamp my authority. And my advice would be, once again, because you told me as we started to speak that you know this might be of some value to coaches starting off, I would advise you to be very, very careful before you start giving yourself those airs and graces because at the end of the day, you can only ever be a good coach if you've got... T- players who are going to work for you and play for you and win matches for you. If those players are not going to win matches for you, you will never be regarded as a good coach. You know, who, who do we regard as all the best coaches in the world? We always quote the ones who've got the most successes, the most trophies, the European Cup winners. The, you know, they're the ones we, we go to. We don't talk about the guy who can't put those achievements or accomplishments on the table but you might more likely be the guy who can maybe never put those accomplishments on the table. So you've got to make certain that you know that the people you've worked with when you've left the job will always say he did the job correctly, even though he can't perhaps prove that he was good because he's got no no medals to show, you know? I hate that one, you know, no silverware. I mean, winning silverware can be a matter for good fortune. I mean. A guy I like and a, and a friend, Mauricio Pochettino, I heard that about him. How many times did he lose semi-finals or, or finals in the Champions League? And I don't remember the game he lost in the Champions League, but I'm pretty certain if you analyze that game with a fine tooth comb, you could find a way of saying, well, there, but for the grace of God, he would have won it. And he'd had the silverware. You've got to be more generous in your appraisal of someone's job than just, well, has he won a trophy? If not, you know, Roberto Di Matteo is one of the best coaches, you know, we've, we've ever seen in this country because he, he won a European Cup with, with Chelsea. <laughs> and he's good. I mean, that, that my, that, um, but my point there is that Roberto's career as a manager was, was short. You know, he didn't, ha- he didn't have a long management career. I don't think he wanted a long management career. And I'm in mean, no way criticising yeah. Di Matteo or he wasn't good. But what I am saying, if it's purely silverware, then he and there will be lots of other names you could mention. I'm just, my memory's not so good these days. I can fish these other names out of the top of my hat.
1: Talk to me about Inter Milan and your experiences there. Obviously, you work with some absolutely fantastic players there, as you did, I've done throughout your career. But there you had Roberto Carlos, Zanetti... um, Bergomi, I think, was there at the yeah, time. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Brazilian Ronaldo was there in the...
0: Yeah, that was the second Second period. period. Two periods, and my, my my two years, if you like, when I was taken from the Swiss national team to, to, to go there, which is about five or six games into the season, I think it was. That team didn't have quite as many big names as the team I found yeah. when I went back when they weren't having a very good time. A bit of a job like this one, I got yeah. taken in in March and asked to see the team through to May because... The, chairman, the, the president, I think, probably erroneously, was also believing that the team was on a big slide and that, that things were looking a bit dangerous. I mean, it couldn't possibly be dangerous with the sort of players we had, but it was a difficult, that was a difficult job. That taught me a lot of things. I got that one wrong as well, because you know, instead of going in there with enormous humility, I was still suffering from having been sacked for the first time in my career at Blackburn. And I went there with totally the wrong attitude really, I aren't mean, we? into yeah. the second time. Oh yeah. I mean that was a disastrous. Was that when Roberto
1: Carlson and Brazilian? No, Minnesota?
0: I saw I mean I'm famous in Inter for having sold Roberto Carlos. <laughs> uh, Go on, my, tell us my, the story my, about my, selling my, Roberto my, Carlos. My, my, my effigy is probably <laughs> hung up around a lot of lot of places there because in that year he was perhaps the one the one name we had that year apart from, you know, the famous ex players like Bianchi and Bergamy and Paganin and Festa and Berti and uh, Fontalan yeah. and a young Zanetti. Zanetti came at the same time as me. Zanetti came as a make-weight for another player called Sebastian Rambert. They wanted Sebastian Rambert from Argentina and they took Zanetti as well, so they'd have a bit of company. Zanetti turned out to be one of the best players Inter's ever seen and Rambert lasted a few months. Yeah. So that was that team, uh, but the second team, and in the, in the second year that team was improved by some famous signings. You know, we, we signed we we had Inns, to be fair, yeah. Paul was there, but we signed Djorkaeff, and we signed uh, uh, Schwarzer, we signed Winter, we signed Anglomar, we okay. we signed uh, uh, Zamorano. So yeah. there was a few Some in good, the second, second year. That yeah. was probably more. Fi- that's the year we got to the European final. The final, yeah. yeah. But it's when I went back that they had all the, that. That's when you, you know you had, had all the, the stars Nevolos and the Cioni's and. Uh, Paolo Souza's and uh, uh, Pielo, and it sounds like I'm showing off here now, but I mean, I was there with them, but I had no effect on them whatsoever. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, 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 for, and, and furthermore, I would doubt if any of them have got a kind word to say about me. So. <laughs> I was actually quite surprised now in Qatar that I, you know, they're, they're now half of these are working with, with. FIFA, FIFA, or, yeah. You know, so and I bumped into them on a few times on, on each occasion. I was expecting them to say. Even Simeone said, "You know, happy memories together." i like, you, "You don't mean that, Diego." You? you know, it's you nice to say so. But that's one of the beauties of getting old. What were
1: you like though, there, Roy? What were you like in, in Inter Milan the second time? You've just been sat by Blackburn. You go back, yeah, you got all I, these amazing players. I wanted
0: to show I was a good coach, but they didn't want it. They didn't want to be coached. They just wanted to be looked after and, you know, they wanted someone to to pick the right team. They wanted someone to sympathise with them when the crowd were getting on at them. You know, there were one or two players who were actually a little bit concerned about being picked, really, because they didn't like that feeling when they came out onto the field with all the crowd booing and jeering when their name was announced, you know. So who was
1: that? Who would that be at that time? Out of those players, who was getting criticism? Well, there was a
0: few because they they had a bad time when when I came. I mean, Andrea Pirlo hardly played. I mean, we had, we had four number tens, didn't we? We we had we had Paolo Solso, we had Andrea Pirlo, we had a guy called Zay Maria,
1: we had Diego,
0: we had Jorga. They're the four. Then there was Diego Simeone, then there was Ronaldo and there was a guy it came in, I think. it's then. a lot of attacking talent. Oh, blimey. <laughs> yeah. The first game, the first, am I talking too much here? You no, no, no. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> anyway, we played this game at the Stadio Olimpico in, in Roma. And honestly, I mean, less of a Roy Hodgson team than into that day you could never have seen in, in a million years. And we won it 5-4 with a diving Simeone header in the last minute. and. I'll never forget the dressing room afterwards, that people piled in. Massimo Marati came in with his, some of his advice. They were so happy, you know, because they saw this as, well, we're okay. These three points will lift us high enough. We don't have to worry anymore. And then we were thinking, this is crazy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the touch. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend.
1: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: And I'm watching a game where I don't understand what, what the hell some of these players are doing <laughs> Nothing that I would suggest. We win it. But I do remember also, Badger was absolutely magnificent that day. And he was sitting in a corner. Players were jumping around in the riverbed. I was quiet. And I just went up to him. I said, I said, I've got to say one thing. I said, I'd have paid money to what you pay tonight. You know, that was that was such a complete performance that I'd have happily paid money for that rather than have the privilege of being on the first But, so it started well, but it went very much downhill from there onwards, really. and uh, But... I seem to have been forgiven even Ronaldo gives me a hug every now and again. I think Roberto Carlos is the only one if he would turn his back on me if I, if I saw him in the street. Well, why, why did you sell him? What, was he just... It was money really and in that team, you know, like Giuseppe, yeah, Paganin, <clears throat> Paluca wasn't really sellable. Giuseppe he wasn't Paluca wasn't Festa, wasn't... Roberto was. Nicola Berti, not really. said, well, no. Ince, we could have probably sold him, but he'd only just come to the club. Salvatore Frazi, Zanetti just come to the club. And then there was Branko and Gantz. It was a good team, I thought, but I mean, we didn't have a lot of players there. So we'll put them on the market, we we'll get a load of money back. The one we could get money for was yeah. Roberto. So I went along with that, really. Uh, but of course, when he was sold in the the shit hit the fan and it was, they weren't starting to say, we persuaded Voyager to do this. It was like, well, he sold him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: dumb and dumber, were they? Yeah,
0: so it was my effigy, you know, <laughs> The man who sold Roberto, it's like the What's man who a... shot Liberty Valence <laughs> <laughs> What
1: system did you play with Pirlo, Baggio, Giocaf, Simeone, Zamorano,
0: and Brazilian Ronaldo? Well, right, it's a difficult, we, <laughs> we, 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 um, Andrea did didn't play, Andrea. Pio, I mean, André yeah, he was on the subject, he was a number, I mean, he was signed as a number 10, that was his only position, I mean, the Pirlo that became a great player, Carlo Ancelotti reinvented Turned him yeah, yeah. as a central midfield player, but the, the idea then was that he would play just behind the centre forward somewhere, and so we <clears throat> really wanted to play with with two forwards ideally, but our problem was getting the... We had Zanetti who would do the job on one side, he would go out, but then we had three central midfield players and none of them really wanted to push out wide, You know, Paul wasn't going to do it, Winter wasn't going to do it, um, Jorke, everyone wasn't going to do it, and Jorko didn't want to play behind Zamorano either, really. If we would have really wanted to do that and done that job, then we could have put someone on this side here who would have done the job for us, it would have been a better balanced team.
1: Talk to me about Liverpool, Roy, in terms of how you found it there. Obviously passionate city, mm. big club, yeah. uh, and it didn't last very long there. Well, no. what, what do you take away from that job in terms of how it was there?
0: I went to a club, really, where there was a change of ownership, and no one quite knew what the new owners were going to want. And also, I went to a club, again, arrogance is probably the wrong word, but believing that I know that there's large swathes of fans who don't think that I'm the right man for the job, that Kenny Dalgleese is the man that they want to come back and do Did it. Did you but, sense
1: that straight away?
0: Oh yeah, that was clear straight away. And it was made even more clear when the new owners came in because the first thing they went, they went through all these various Spirit Shankly groups, et cetera, and canvassed them. We weren't winning. You know, I'd have had to to, to have had any chance of success at all. I'd have had to go in there and on the from the first games, start winning and getting results and playing some football rather than struggling as we were, you know, near the middle of the table and, and you know, in, in, in the same way I suppose Liverpool were doing until, until recently. They've had a really good run. So um, it was always going to be an uphill battle from that. But I, I think probably the most um, pertinent thing, and I wasn't aware of it really at the time, but Jamie Carragher said to me on the last day, he said, do you know what your big mistake was here? And I said, no, go and tell me. He said, um, he said, we've been coached, he said. We've had Benitez for two and a half years. And, you know, it's been pretty rigid, the coaching, the messages. And I mean, Jamie liked that. I mean, Jamie is a big fan of Benitez. So it wasn't, it wasn't a criticism in any way, but he said, he said, you've come in and you've done the same thing. He said, you'd have been better off adopting a different approach. Um, and that brings us back really to you know your first question to me today when you came in here, was your first thoughts to do this or that? But I didn't have that. I, I had right. This has worked well at Fulham. You know, it worked well at Blackburn. People accepted that we were going to be very structured and, and, and organised and play that type of football. So I'm going to do that here, and we're going to get better because what where our faults are. We're going to organise and structure ourselves out of them, but maybe it's not always possible to do that. So,
1: so. what you were sort of saying was that they wanted more freedom. They they wanted just the go-play type.
0: Probably more of that, you know. Probably, you know, probably more more uh, training sessions whereby they weren't required to concentrate and focus and take on board information. Maybe they wanted a few sessions where there was more play. Uh, and the coaching would have been more subtle. Um, I think if I was to think back to the type of coaching sessions we did there, I wouldn't do that again. You know, I've, I've evolved a little bit from that and tried to find a way of getting the same messages, keeping the same philosophy, but maybe in a slightly different way. But again, it's, it's, it's wisdom with hindsight. Uh, it's always very easy to get your decisions right with hindsight. Uh, and especially, you don't necessarily change your moods, either. the The way you're feeling about yourself, the way you're feeling about things, then, maybe is not how I'm thinking about it now. I'm just wishing that I had the sort of wisdom I can use to answer your questions now. Then, but I didn't have it.
1: Did it? Did it hurt you?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course it did. It was the second time I'd been sacked. Uh, Blackburn, of course, was the first. This one was was the second time, and. I was just very fortunate, really, that West Brom, who were very, very good to me, and where, once again, I could sort of rekindle, if you like, A, the love of the game, and B, get the love of the fans and and, and the club back. Um, I was was very doubtful about whether I want to do that. But uh, luckily, Dan Ashworth uh, worked hard to persuade me, you should do it. And uh, it it saved me, in a way, because it got me back onto a track which I thought I should should be on and and also I was able I think to learn a lot of lessons then it it sort of it it rebooted me to some extent and I think sometimes in 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 life if you're gonna have a long long spelling coaching you need rebooting from time to time and it's good if you've got some people around you can help you reboot
1: So let's just talk about England and obviously you had four years with England from 2012 to 2016 what are your memories? What are your thoughts? Do you still think about England? Do you still think about the tournaments? Do you still think about what happened in the job?
0: Well, you think about the tournaments because I mean that 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 was that was where the failure occurred. Really, we didn't. I don't think we did too badly in in the qualifiers, and I don't think we did too badly in our approach to the to the job in terms of trying to rejuvenate what, what was quite an ageing team when we took over in 2012, yeah. albeit, if you t- take, talk about tournaments, that was our most successful tournament, yeah. although I do remember that game against Italy where we were so totally and utterly outplayed really, but we, we got it through the penalties, but you know it was pretty clear I think to us then that this team does need some rejuvenation. Yeah. It, was the end of, it was the end of the golden generation. The end of the golden yeah, generation, yeah, they were was. good players. I still think that, you know, if you say to me who are some of the best players you work with, I would revert to that team and name some of those players because they were really good. And then when the tournaments came around, we just we just didn't find... I mean, tournament football, that really is the ultimate knockout football. And we didn't find the performances in those tournaments, I think, that we perhaps had in some of the matches going into it. Now, what's the reason for that? I'm not 100% certain. Well, I mean, obviously... It's something which I did wrong and something that we as a, a coaching group didn't get right. That's that's very clear. I'm not trying to move away from that. But it's not easy for me to be 100% certain what exactly it was. Um, other than, I think maybe towards the end, we'd, we'd had that 20 game, we'd had 20 qualifiers without defeat, we'd had 10 straight wins, we'd had one or two quite good wins in... Uh, friendlies in places like Brazil and and and, and Germany, yeah. and I think we maybe towards the end beat France didn't we as beat well? I France, think, yeah. I think maybe we got to the stage where or at least I did, where we thought the way to get the performances from the player was to keep reminding him how good they are. We're good enough to do this, and everything we need to win the games here in the room. I think probably if I had my time again, I'd be a little bit more critical of some of the players and some of the performances and you know, not quite as, as as kind in terms of trying to cajole them and convince them that you can do this, you're good enough. Yeah. I think now, especially after the experiences of the, the years since then, I, I would be much more inclined to, to be critical of performances. But again, I'm trying hard to find reasons why we failed. There could be loads of others, you know, but I don't look back on the time as being a failure from start to finish. What I look back on it as is when you're the England coach and you get two tournaments and in both tournaments you don't do anywhere near as well as you should do, then unfortunately that's that is, that is a, that's a failure.
1: I think in, in Brazil it was quite clear that the squad weren't quite there and we were coming out of one team into another, but in 16... I don't think I've I've played a lot of games during my career and I only coached a few with Valencia but I don't think I've ever thought of much about a game as I have about Iceland since then in terms of you know you were in the stadium that night I was in that stadium about what happened and I've even spoke to a couple of the players and they don't they can't describe no. what happened that night no. because we went in front and everything was yeah we started really well yeah. and do, do you ever th- I mean you must think about that game you must think about the, the experience of it. What, what, what do you feel about that?
0: Yeah, I think that it, it was too easy in that game to get caught up in that, you know, some things are not meant to be, that, that's a danger. It seemed to me in that game we drifted to, to, to that defeat and I'd like to have thought we could have done something more, I could have done something more to stop that drift. Um, but i don't know quite frankly what it what it, what it would have been uh, we didn't have the bench that necessarily would have stopped that that drift per se um, and they were a difficult team to play against you know it's like like when you sometimes when you're with a, a Premiership team you play in the FA cup against a team from division lower division one or division two and you think well our players are so much better than their players and we've got to win this and then you get out there and you just can't get going, and your players can't establish that we're better, and that, that I think was the case on on that day. So I've got to say that what I've learned to do is to try and let things go, because there is no there is no point in allowing um, in a career which has not really had that many failures, allowing a failure at one stage to suddenly derail everything that you. Believe in and think you can still do that. That would have been a pity had I allowed that to happen. And the only way I could stop that happening was to let it go.
1: And in terms of sort of beyond the England, um, beyond the England job, and just where you're at today, do you ever see a time where you won't be coaching on the grass?
0: Yes, of course I do. I mean, a, I mean apart from the else, you know, um, you, one my body might might tell me that my my. My brain or my mind might, might, might tell me that. My la- energy levels might tell me that. My lack of intensity, if it happens at any stage, will tell me that. Those days in Harbstad where I did literally everything to now having great assistants around me and helping me in so many ways, I don't think I could do the one-man band job that I perhaps did for the first 12, 20 years of my career. Um, but then no one's asking me to, as it, as it were either, they wouldn't expect me to do it and in fact <laughs> it really would have been un- it's un- unkind to me in those 20 years to take as much of the work as I did and be so greedy and not sharing it around. And you know when people ask you are you going to miss it, well of course, you know, I don't know anybody who's got a job that they really loved and really believed in. And, their job has been their passion. You know, let's take a, a landscape gardener whose whole life has been landscape gardening and he's loved landscape gardening. You know, for someone like that, when he get, leaves gardening behind and someone says, do you miss it? Of course he's gonna say, yeah, I miss it because it was my life. It was, it was my passion, it's what I wanted to do. Um, but it's a question of, well, how do you miss it? You know, do you, do you miss it to the extent that you can't find anything else to do with your life? And that would disappoint me if i thought that i was so much a football person that the only thing that defined me in life is that you know this man was in football this man coached a few football teams this man won a few games as a football manager and that's him that would that would disappoint me because so i think there's a lot of aspects to my life and my character and my intellect which should make me rise above that
1: when you've uh, finally do stop Coaching Roy, maybe you can do some landscape gardening.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been great. Great. Yeah. it's yeah. been great to speak to you. A bit in the flat where we live you know <laughs> <that>? <laughs> On Formative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are like interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.